Hey everybody and welcome to Stoke the Wild. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to stoking the wild imagination of our creative endeavors through storytelling, art, design, media, film, music, and culture. I'm Nick and with me is my wife, Joy. Hey. Both of us have a background in the arts, different types of things. I like music, drawing, poetry, and creative writing and more. I love music. I love um, painting and drawing and I remember really enjoying acting as a kid. Um, Yeah, creative writing, all of that stuff. It's really good. Yeah, so ideally each week we'd like to approach um, approach our time together with a topic or an idea that either one or both of us have been studying regarding creativity and go through its impact in our lives or in culture. Uh, one week we could be talking about a movie or, or a series of movies, the next an album uh, that's spoken to us or things that we've been reading that has helped shape our artistic worldview. Yeah, I think that one of the things that, we, that I'm looking forward to talking about is um, how how art in general speaks to me emotionally and how I, um, how I sort of interpret my emotions then back through art. I think that's amazing. And I think that for us, um, as creative individuals, whether, uh, you do something like drawing or you write music, uh, poetry, or you build, you make something with your hands and, and you're an architect or, and you get creative that way. Uh, the way that we feel kind of impacts what we make and what we do. And uh, that kind of brings us to our initial topic for episode one here of Stoke the Wild, and that is this idea of fear and creativity. And if I'm honest, the idea behind this podcast kind of stems from wanting to attack my fear directly. I, uh, I, I find it really easy to be afraid of the things I want to make and create. You know, if you're anything like me, maybe you can relate to this. You start a project and you don't finish it because you find other projects that you want to start, you want to do, <laughs> you want to make, things that you want to uh, see made and accomplished that you don't uh, ever get to because you find reasons, you make justifications for why this project stops or why things get in the way, and then you never get back to it. And so for me, kind of starting this podcast, uh, it's the first step in kind of putting a direct personal attack against my fear. I want to create something uh, that my fear cannot get in the way of because uh, sometimes that's my biggest setback to my own abilities. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. You're very creative and, and you're very good at what you do, but um, I think that sometimes the only thing that's in your way is is fear. So um, let's talk about that. Where does your fear come from? Uh, well, my fear comes from kind of kind of looking back over my life uh, at the time of this recording. I'm going to be uh, 31 tomorrow. So. Fear for me kind of goes way, way back all the way to when I was in kindergarten, about five or six years old. And I remember making this project for my mom. It was around Mother's Day, and we had to uh, we had to color this card that had a rose on it. Um, and, you know, thanks, Mom, you're so wonderful. You know, my love is a blooming or whatever. And, uh, you, you, you know, you colored in. <laughs> You colored in uh, uh, the rose, right? And the directions I remember clearly were color the rose red. And my mom loves purple, and so I chose like a, a purplish color um, that was like a little red but had a little bit of blue in there too, so you got this like purple hue to it. And I thought it looked really cool, and I was really proud of it, and I knew my mom would be excited about it. And I remember as the teacher was coming around and uh, kind of looking at all the different things the kids were doing, you know, some kids just being wild and crazy, tearing up their cards and pasting things on, whatever. She got to mine and she said, Nick, this is not right. You messed this up. You didn't make this the way you were supposed to. You didn't follow instructions. And she took the card I made. She gave me a new one. 
and I was forced to color the rose red. It was like Alice in the garden in, in uh, <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, like painting the roses red. And that is so sad. I, uh, yeah, it was sad. That's and so I sad. I remember that moment and feeling like, this is not for me. Mm. I don't want to do this. I don't like it. And mm-hmm. I kind of put creativity and making things, you know, to the side. And as a kid, uh, imagination and storytelling and making things and building worlds in your mind when you're playing in the backyard with your brother or your sister, uh, all those things, those were things that I loved to do. Mm-hmm. But after that moment, I began to keep those things to myself. I didn't express them. I didn't share them. Uh, I rarely talked about them with other people. Mm-hmm. And so it became a kind of like a pivotal moment where the things that I had been given, the abilities I'd been given, I began to bury instead of show off. And, and I don't mean like, oh, I'm the best and pat me on the back, show off. But like, I, I, I did nothing with them. I didn't even put them out there just to enjoy. I just hid them from the world. Yeah. And so... Uh, in kindergarten, that was kind of like the starting point to some of my my fear when it comes to creative arts. Yeah, did you did you um, say anything to your mom when you got home? Like, oh, I made you a purple one, but but the teacher took it, and made me color it red. <laughs> I honestly, I I could probably call her up and find out if she remembers that or even this story at all. But I don't, I don't remember what happened after that. I just yeah. remember that moment in kindergarten and uh, mm-hmm. sitting in like a U shape, like of desks and. Yeah. Like having that taken away from me. That's so sad. You yeah. should definitely call her later and ask her if she remembers. Yeah. Um, it wasn't too long after that, though, that as a consumer of art, as someone who uh, began to take in art visually and, and uh, in my own imagination began to, to be a consumer is the best way that I can think to describe it. I was around that time, uh, six, seven years old, I saw Batman 1989 for the first time with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Oh. And uh, I love I love me some Batman, <laughs> and that's uh, that's what got me into comic books and watching Batman the animated series and uh, Spider Man the animated series in the '90s. All those things drew me into the grocery store and the turnstile of comic books, and uh, having my mom or my dad buy me comic books and really getting into that type of art and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really cool. But again, I was a consumer. I didn't really do anything with it. Even in junior high and high school, I took the mandatory art classes, but I didn't go beyond that. Um, Mm. For me, it was just something to do while my teachers were talking too much, and I Mm -hmm. wanted to doodle in the margins of my notes. Um, In college, it was maybe creating something while a teacher's talking to help me remember a point. But again, it was always for me. It was never for anything else. It It was about making something that helped me, not something that was beneficial to other people or the world. And mm-hmm. I, again, I, part of me was burying that. And um, I didn't really begin to uncover that passion and that desire, that spark for what I wanted to do again until uh, just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, well, when I met you in college, you um, I don't remember you ever doing any kind of drawing or painting at first. Um, but I do remember that you were... Um, you sang beautifully, which is a form of art and, and creativity. And you were also in a couple of plays in college, um, which is acting as another form of creativity. So what what do you think kind of made you hang on to that part of it and not, not the rest of it? Well, I think it was a disconnect. If, you know, 
I can speak candidly. Uh, I didn't think that. I didn't think that art through drawing and creating that way was the same as singing or the same as acting. Mm-hmm. And of course, over the years, I've kind of reconnected the dots on that. But at the time, even growing up, I didn't see it the same way. I thought it was about performance, which mm-hmm. yeah, there's performance art. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't see it as the same way. I thought, oh, this is just me doing something else, and. I loved it and I enjoy it and Mm -hmm. acting and writing for acting and um, singing and writing songs. I've always enjoyed that stuff. And so that kind of for me came a little easier, uh, Mm -hmm. especially when it came to acting someone else's words and singing someone else's songs because it wasn't really me putting myself out there. It was putting someone else's work out there and I wasn't as bothered by that. When I began to write for myself and perform my own songs or write my own scripts and monologues and perform my own stuff, I began to yeah. expose the nerves of creativity within me that I was afraid people would just burn. Yeah. I remember uh, when you wrote uh, Me and Jimmy Stewart versus the Moon, and I loved it. I thought it was so clever. Uh, and you never wanted anyone to hear it. You never wanted to play it or sing it for anyone. <laughs> no, I love I, that song. Yeah. that. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that still. I love the song (laughs) about having the world here, and I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Man, but that that idea of kind of rediscovery Mm -hmm. um, has really been on my mind and on my heart over the last four or five years. Um, During the last four or five years, I've met artists and uh, musicians and comic book artists and tattoo artists and uh, people who who do things unrelated to art for their job, but pour passionately into their creative side. And those people have kind of mentored me and pushed me into something of that rediscovery. And it was in 2015 uh, when I went to my first Comic-Con. As much as I love comics, I'd never gone to a Comic-Con. And I was just blown away by the art and the people, the artists, the, the writers, the people who create these worlds and draw these worlds and bring life to what the imagination can hold and I remember walking out of there uh, with a pencil and a sketchbook that I bought at one of the booths and just being like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna do this I'm gonna give it a try (laughs) and coming home that night and like drawing just the worst picture of like daredevil ever (laughs) Um, but that was kind of like that that push that little spark that began to ignite this this creative part of me again that I hadn't experienced in such a long time Mm -hmm. and that little bit of fire just began to slowly burn and kind of take over the things inside me that had long been asleep, had long been just mm-hmm. like, you know, frozen. And it began to melt all that. And I, I began to see, oh, yeah, I, I like this. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And it feels weird to put it out there, but that's okay. Critique is okay. And people right. might reject it, but that's also okay. Yeah. And I've had... I've had Sherpas along the way, other artists who were guiding me up the, the Everest that is creativity, showing mm-hmm. me techniques and paths that I'd never considered. Uh, but the truth is, like, the top of the mountain has never been my goal. Like, my goal is to, to learn in the trenches, the passes, dips, and wild storms that the mountain continues to throw at me. I'm, I'm still learning, mm-hmm. developing, e- evolving as an artist. And as I try new ideas, techniques, and, and morph or merge them along the way to, to see other things that I've learn and take those ideas and create new ideas out of that. I forever want to be a student of creativity, constantly learning, constantly growing, and just 
kind of adapting all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that you have grown and evolved so much in your creativity and, and in your art. And um, even with things like you got comfortable sketching um, and then, you know, you kind of moved into like, okay, well, maybe I'll like start using these different markers, uh, um, Copic markers. And and then you got comfortable with that and you started trying different techniques um, and then eventually branched out into watercoloring. And so I've seen so much of that growth in you and I remember um, when we were dating and I would draw and I would paint and you would say like wow you're so good and I was like I'm not very good but um, somehow you thought I was and then and I was like well anybody can it's fine you just like learn and whatever and you never wanted to try it no, I, I was like, let's go draw. And you were like, well, no, you could do I'll, it and I I'll won't. I'll sit here and watch while I drink a cup of coffee. Right, right. And you or you would like you would doodle though. I I would see you doodling, but never like um never like sitting there intentionally like drawing or anything. And then I remember when you came home from that Comic Con and you had like a sketchbook and a pencil and you were like, I'm gonna try it and I was like, Cool, that's great. That's great. And um, kind of at first, I just thought it was going to be a hobby and just like whatever, because you were so against it when we were dating. Um, but then, and then the more you got into it, I was like, oh, he's, he's like really learning a lot, really fast. He's learning really fast. And, um, and I remember the moment when I was like, ah. Oh, this is disgusting because you got so good <laughs> so quickly. And I was, I was super, ultimately super frustrated because I was like, I could never do that. I could never do that. And I can't believe that he was able to do it so quickly. Yeah, disclaimer, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So No, you're a good you artist. Know, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I enjoy it. And there are things that I am good at, but things I continue to work on that I have, I'm not. I'm not quite awesome at it yet, but one day I hope to be awesome at it. So yeah, I keep you, trying. But you have mastered things that, like, okay, so I never had that sort of like, oh, I'm never going to draw again or, or I'm too scared to, to try this or whatever. I took all the art classes I could in grade school, in high school, and I was forever trying to learn, you know, new ways of drawing or, you know, um, especially, like, drawing faces and, and things like that. Like, I could do your random landscape. But when I saw you draw a face, like, for the first time really well, I was blown away because I was like, I spent so much time, took so many classes trying so hard to learn this, and and you did it in, like, a couple of years or a couple of months or whatever. So with your... Um you're kind of like, you know, you're talking about landscaping and things that you tried, like, mm -hmm. when you were learning art. What was your kind of first encounter with with creative art that you wanted to maybe explore more? Mm -hmm. um, like, obviously, I know from knowing you, like, you are a musician. Yeah. You, you like to write. You like to do pastel and, and different art stuff. But what was yeah. your kind of intro to creativity that, you know, began to spark that stuff within you? Yeah, um, I think, uh, like, my earliest memory of, like, creativity of any kind, um, 
I was really little. I think I was three. And I remember um, we, my dad would get his guitar and he would, like before tucking us in at night, he would usually come in our room, my sister and me, and um, and he would bring his guitar in and he would like make up silly songs with us and like we would turn buckets upside down and use like forks or spoons or whatever and, you know, pretend they were drums and we would just be goofy together. And I think that was the first time I remember ever like having an ex- a creative experience, I guess, but as far as like drawing or or painting or writing or anything like that, I don't remember ever um, not being interested in it. I don't remember, like I started reading really young and I think that my love for writing came out of that and my love for words in general, like that's what pushed me to, you know, study English and then other languages. And then when I discovered that linguistics was a thing to just like dig as deep into that as I possibly could, for me, just this love of words and love of of reading and writing and expressing through that. And yet there are times when words aren't good enough and we have to express ourselves through melodies and harmonies and... Um, and, and drawing and painting and, and, yeah, pastels and, and whatever that looks like. And I think that the part for me, <clears throat> sorry, the part for me that, um, that was different about drawing and painting and such was that if I made a mistake, um, I could just cover it. I didn't have to even erase it most of the time. I could just kind of adjust and cover over it whereas when I was writing if I made a mistake or you know misspelled something or or made a grammatical error or or whatever I had to go back and erase it and fix it and that process of going back always um, was really difficult for me so drawing and painting I can just cover over my mistakes and that feels good (laughs) yeah it does feel good sometimes I, I was always like uh with the mistakes that I made, like, because I, I enjoy writing, and I enjoyed writing growing up, too, and, and creating stories and things like that, but I always hated rereading my work, so I would, oh. write, I would write it, and then I'd never go back to it. I was yeah. like, oh, I can just write it, and then oh, I don't have to read this again, <laughs> but when I yeah. would draw, I was always like, I hate this, erase, 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 <laughs> or a painting, oh, just white, white it out, white it out, you know, and I would, yeah. I would, it was almost like the reverse, like, I would rather blank out Mm-hmm. the picture until I got it perfect, oh, quote-unquote, yeah. perfect. With words, I was just like, word vomit, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would do that, too. I would do a lot of free writing, and I remember um, in high school when I discovered, um, I think it's called blind drawing, but I didn't know what it was called at the time. And you you basically you, you put your pencil or your pen on paper, and you try not to look at it, and you you don't look at what you're drawing. You also can't pick up your pen or your pencil. You just draw it in, like, one continuous line. Like Etch-a-Sketch style? Yeah. Yeah, it's super weird, but I found it super uh, therapeutic. I really liked it. it. It was really helpful when I was frustrated or, um, you know, upset or, or sad about anything. I would do that. And a, a lot of times I found that I would I would draw something, and then eventually I would start to make letters. 
I so I'd have this like sort of weird blind drawing happening. But then but then I'd be making letters and then making words. And so I sort of followed the same approach when that would happen. I remember one time being uh, in the community college and I had like a couple hours in between classes and so I went to the library and I was very angsty and at that time. <laughs> and I was listening to Chevelle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is angsty. Oh, yeah. And um, had like my little MP3 player and my earbuds in. And I started doing some blind drawing and then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm making letters, and now I'm making words. I'm just going to keep making words and see what comes out. And I never tried to make anything make sense. But ultimately, in the end, it, it would. And sometimes it was painful, and sometimes it was beautiful. But I never gave a thought to what word was coming next. Just like when you're blind drawing, you're, not, you're intentionally not thinking about it. And um, at least that's my understanding of it. And I remember that being this moment of freedom of like, oh, wow, I don't have to try and I don't have to try and follow any rules. I can just I can just write what I feel and I don't even have to worry about what's going to come next. So with that idea of not having to worry about what comes next, the. Like when it when it comes to this idea of fear and creativity, like did you ever find yourself, did you ever find yourself, or have you ever found yourself, struggling with, what am I doing with this? Like what is, what is my purpose or point with this? Obviously, not that you have to have a purpose or a point. Sometimes we need to create to get what's inside of us out for ourselves therapeutically, mm-hmm. um, or something else. Sometimes for for those of us who have done. Uh, professional work sometimes it's just like this means nothing but I have to do it because I've been paid to do it and it's you know maybe it doesn't stretch our creative muscles as much always yeah um but you know we do it anyway so has there ever been this moment where fear fear of the performance or fear of the creation or fear of uh what you're putting out there with your talent or ability has kind of taken over you maybe it was little maybe recently out of yeah, I mean, um, I would say yes, definitely. Uh, but I didn't experience that, like, well, okay, I remember feeling that a little bit in high school. I remember writing stories and stuff, and I never wanted to let anybody read them. Um, I don't really remember having having, like, this idea of like, what is the point? Why am I doing this? I just was doing it because I loved it so much. But when I got to college, um, like kind of after community college, because in community college, I just took like my gen eds and a couple of creative writing courses and and like that was it. And I always thrived in creative writing and um, did really well. And so it was just fun for me. Um, And I remember getting to Moody and having to write so many papers. And that's like that's not to say that writing papers is a bad thing. It can be really good and it can help you learn how to structure things better. But for me, it felt like a vice. Um, like 
not like a vice like drinking or gambling, like a vice like um, uh, what are the what are, like that holds a piece of wood, you know, like that kind of a vice where it was like squeezing. And I remember that a lot of my papers, especially in the beginning, were really introspective, which then made me, you know. I had to think through my beliefs. I had to think through philosophy and things like that. And that made the creative process almost painful for me and very, very scary. Um, I stopped writing as much. And when I did write, I felt like it had to... I felt like it had to follow the curve of, of whatever my assignment was for whatever class I was in at that time. So it had to, like, resolve in a way that supported my assignment. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, I've been thinking about the, I guess, the ramifications of fear sometimes. Mm -hmm. And not to dwell on the what-ifs or the shoulda, woulda, couldas, but... As someone who has struggled more with the, I start a project but don't finish it, mm-hmm. you know, versus someone who has been a little more freeform and just making things because you enjoy it. Yeah. Like it, for me, fear is constantly like at battle in my own mind. Mm-hmm. And the days where I can set a routine and I can, you know, put pen to paper or I can type or I can, you know, almost like timeline what I'm going to do for the day mm-hmm. are the days where fear doesn't win. Yeah. Because fear is like built out of the chaos of, you know, discord. And sometimes chaos and discord can be good for creativity. Mm-hmm. But for me, someone who has so much fear about creating things at times, uh, whether it's worry or people's thoughts or, you know, what, how it's going to be like taken or the response from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by creating a timeline or uh, an organizational chart or whatever you want to call it, a checklist even for the day of, hey, I need to do this, 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 and this so I can get these things done. It almost allows me to um, approach the day with like knowing that even if it's, you know, I'm going to type a page, I'm going to draw one picture, I'm going to just have fun sketching random things for 20 minutes. Yeah. Like I can walk out of that morning or that afternoon or that two hours that I set aside for that knowing that creatively I've done what I needed to do for the day mm-hmm. and it forces me to be focused versus fearful yeah um, because it's time set aside mm-hmm. and uh, I know there's a lot of people mm-hmm. like that some people can just pick up their stuff whenever right. and it doesn't matter and they get it done because they are more free form or f- free flowing with their thoughts ideas and stuff and they don't need to have kind of that same structure but for me I'm I'm that organizational type in the midst of creativity. I kind of need to see where I'm going and what I'm going to do. Otherwise, the chaos forces me, not forces me, but allows me to go, ah, this isn't as enjoyable now that I've started it, so I'm going to start something else. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, six months go by and I've got eight projects that I'd like to try and do and none of them are even off the ground, let alone, you know, finished to be like oh yeah i did all these eight things no it's like no you've just got eight different separate pages in a notebook with titles Eight different intros (laughs) yeah eight different intros eight different pages in a notebook with ideas yeah eight different 
like random rough draft sk- sketches and mm-hmm. and nothing concrete mm-hmm. or solid, nothing finished. And, yeah. Uh, so having that organization, having that timeline for the day allows me to push myself into that creative yeah. creative spot for me. Right. And everybody's going to be different. Everybody's yeah. going to have to approach it differently, think about it differently. Uh, but for me, having that allows me to fight fear effectively. Yeah. I think that um, I can relate to that to a certain extent. Like anytime I'm trying to do a longer project, like any kind of extended writing, uh, I get really scared. And I still have that same uh, sort of mentality that creeps in. Like I better make sure that this actually somehow supports who I say I am or what I say I believe or what I what I talk about and and think is good and um and it's ultimately for me I think that that's just a fear of what other people are going to say you know they're going to oh well you wrote this and and you you say that you care about this or you say that you believe that and and this is nothing like who you are you know when i interact with you um and I think that that just sort of shuts down my vulnerability sometimes when I'm writing a longer piece. So that's why I really enjoy poetry. Because I can do a really quick... It, it's not polished. It's not great. But I can start and finish something in a few moments. And it's really cathartic for me. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's that way for everybody. But, but it is for me. Sure. And like I think like you said, that idea of almost like what what you've made doesn't match up with what people perceive you to be. Yeah. Can then cause that fear to, well, why make something if people aren't going to see me for who I am or if mm-hmm. I have to be afraid of who I feel like on the inside. But I think for a lot of artists, yourself, myself included, part of art is discovering and addressing and wrestling with doubt, mm-hmm. uh, the fears, not only that block us creatively, but even just the things that we are necessarily afraid of that come out of creating something yeah um nightmares pain hurt you know all those different things love joy uh you know all the emotions and things that kind of run through together that allow for you to feel something that then you create something out of whether Mm -hmm. it's a love song or it's a breakup song whether it's you know a piece of art because you really are a fan of this character in comics Mm -hmm. or a piece that you make because you see a beautiful flower and you decide to to sketch or paint it yeah. Like all those things like impact you and when someone is wrestling with something, experiencing something or even thinks of something that maybe doesn't line up with their overall quote unquote character of what people perceive and then you put it out there, people when people then reject that, it feels like they're rejecting you. Yeah. Right? Versus yeah. I don't understand this piece or how come this seems so different to who you are when really maybe maybe you don't know me like you think you know me because we yeah. haven't had enough conversations for you to know that this is something I've thought about and I want to express it this way or right you know whatever yeah. not not that it changes beliefs or faith or or understanding but that it allows us to formulate it and build on it and throw stones at it and say mm-hmm. oh this is different and I like this for yeah. ex- for example um you know, I work in ministry and have done that for 
eight years, and yet one of my favorite characters is Hellboy, and yeah. <laughs> I draw Hellboy all the right, time, right. and like that, I... It's like, oh, there's the pastor who loves the character Hellboy. Yeah. Like, he's just... <laughs> it's like with smoking a cigar. And, yeah. Like, yeah. It's for like... some reason, it doesn't seem to line up. Now, I've not had anybody go, so why do you draw that? Like, that seems right. weird. But I've often wondered when I draw it, you know, and yeah. have, like, done just fan art sketches of it. Like, are people, students, whatever, going to be like, why, why, why is it drawing that? That seems yeah. totally out of line when it's like... Dude, unrelated to what I do for a living, this character is hilarious or looks cool. I enjoy right, it. And right. Like, it doesn't make an impact on anything else other than I enjoy this character. And, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just the same thing, like, you know, when I, I like to tell funny stories and things that have happened to me in life or whatever, and if I mm-hmm. draw something related to that, people are like, I didn't know that happened to you. Like, well, well You yeah. don't know everything about me. Right. Yeah. No, I think that that I have similar experiences, but but a little bit different. So like, when I write or when I create, I I get I get really in in my feelings, you know. Um, and well, every I I know, yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> really in my feelings. So, um, but my experience now, like kind of in adulthood, is that if I put something out there, a lot of times people will approach me and like with worry and concern and they'll say oh my gosh joy are you okay i had no idea that you were struggling so much i had no idea that you were questioning everything that you ever believed and i'm like oh i'm not i just like i'm not falling apart i'm just sometimes i'm expressing deeper emotions than i do on it a regular basis or day-to-day interactions because it'd be weird if I walked up to you and started speaking in prose. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's just that that is... Living every moment like it's a slam poem. (laughs) Yes. I mean, how it'd be awesome. Or like it's a musical where all of a sudden when you have this feeling, you just begin to sing it. Yeah, oh, that would be great. But... But... (laughs) People don't do that. That's not the world that we live in. But they get so worried about me. And I get so many emails and texts and, you know, Facebook messages or whatever. Oh, my gosh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I just created a piece of art, and you can either accept it or reject it, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. But you don't have to necessarily be concerned unless I say something in there that is absolutely concerning. Right, like if if there's, you know, if you're concerned about, like, somebody getting hurt or, or whatever, absolutely, that's nothing to be taken lightly. But if I'm just, you know, writing about, oh, sometimes motherhood is really difficult, and I'm going to frame it in this way using color and depth and emotion... Um, it doesn't mean that I am like in the pits of despair. Right. It just means that I'm expressing a part of my life. I feel like that's because much of the art that I have created, again, whether it's writing or drawing or whatever, ultimately, some, I must be like really angsty in everything that I do and like just really sad and down uh, because it, ultimately it leads to like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Just like, I guess I'll explain it for you. But. Yeah, you're making yourself sound like you're far more like emo than you really are. 
I'm, I mean, I don't think I don't think I am. I need a swooping black hair <laughs> and fingerless gloves. Yes. No, I mean, I don't think that I really am. I think that that. But what I mean is, I think that that is how people perceive whatever it is that I'm making, because that's the yeah. response that I get. Well, we do that though, right? We do that, like when we then stereotype or uh, prejudge what someone yeah. is going to be based on something we've interacted with on mm-hmm. social media or through an art piece or, um, you know, a, a film like, oh, this actor or actress must be like this because I saw them in this thing and right, maybe right. they're not that way at all or, or whatever. Or maybe maybe they are. Maybe April Ludgate really just is herself. Maybe that maybe that character is is not a character. From Parks and Rec? Yeah. Like Aubrey I, Plaza? Yeah, I think that she just is April Ludgate. <laughs> um, what I, one thing that I do want to bring up is this. The one form of creativity that I can engage in that, like, I don't have people coming up to me and asking me if I'm okay afterward is acting. Uh, explain that. So, okay. Like, like people's response to you yeah. is not like... Is everything all right? Yeah. You seem awfully unactable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so remember the... You have an unactable ability. <laughs> yeah. Disacting. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I acted in... When I was a kid, you know, like we would... Uh, so Okay, so I was homeschooled, but like our co-op would sometimes... Like we would still do plays and stuff like that. And when you didn't have fear like of getting up in front of people. I loved it. I thrived on it. I memorized everyone's lines. Everyone's <laughs> I did. Would, would you mouth them like one? I, yeah, I would one. feed them their lines. Your line is this. I know what my line oh, is, Oh, they would get so mad. <laughs> they get so mad. But I loved it so much that I would just, yeah, I was like, I memorized everyone's part. I practiced everyone's part, like every single piece of it because it was so fun. And, um, but then I, I didn't do it again for a long time. And I remember doing um, the play at Moody. Um the trial of God. And that was, um, I expected people to like some, someone to be like, Oh my gosh, was that difficult or whatever? Just be based on the character that was written, the character that I was playing. And I realized even then no one came up and was like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Are you okay? You know, nothing like that. It was like, you did a good job cool, thanks, like, was able to just enjoy the process, and then when it was over, you know, that was just, it was just a normal response, mm-hmm. but when I sing, I don't look happy, because I'm focusing, <laughs> when I play the bass, I definitely don't look happy, because I'm really focusing, uh, or, like, when I play violin, I look seriously angry, I, it's, and it's not because I'm any of those things, I'm just trying really hard. The angry violinist. I'm the angry violinist. <laughs> I scowl. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, like, I realized that in college, I think that like that's the one form of creativity that I can engage in where I don't, I'm not then met with concern when it's over. Hmm. Yeah, I, for a long time, I had... Uh, when it when it came to like acting and and being in front of people, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. There was a long time where I didn't like it. Really? Which is interesting now. It's funny. It's interesting <laughs> now, right? Because 
Joy knows how much I love to be in front of people. Yeah. I, I do thrive on it now, but as yeah. a kid, I didn't. And mm-hmm. I think, again, that kind of stems back to that idea of anything I put out there is going to be rejected. Thanks, kindergarten teacher. Right? Because, like, <laughs> it didn't seem like I could do anything right. And I, right. I mean... Yeah, I had speeches in school and things that I had to do in front of the class. And every time those moments came, I was, you know, palm sweaty, knees weak, mom spaghetti. Like, you know, <laughs> Eminem in it right up there just like, I can't do this. And I would shake my way through it. The paper would be rustling and rattling like, <laughs> you know, and I'd just be like, and in 1947, you know, or whatever it was that I was talking about. I would just right. get through like as terribly as possible just to get it done. Uh, but I remember doing like Christmas programs at, at church. And I remember one yeah. specifically where this idea began to change in my mind where I didn't mind being in front of people. And it happened because of, of a mistake I made. It <laughs> happened because I was so afraid. Right. And this is the crazy thing about fear. Right. Is that sometimes it drives us then into a position to find the thing that we're good at. Because if we don't want to be worried about one thing, mm-hmm. it helps shape us sometimes to see the thing that we're good at. So mm-hmm. fear has like, it's almost like a double-edged sword. Sometimes it can cut and like not feel good and it keeps right. us from doing things. And then other times it kind of prunes us a little bit to then do something better or yeah. do something else. Yeah. And so I remember being like nine or 10 years old at church during this Christmas program and me and a bunch of other kids are sitting around this tree like supposed to be a family and talking about presents and Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what the line was that I was supposed to say um, which is part of the problem I didn't know it then either (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it then and so I'm sitting there and everyone's saying their line and I'm just like okay cool and like I'm holding this present. Yeah. And at some point, like everyone just stops what they're doing and just stares at me. <laughs> and I'm just like in my mind, I'm like, what is everybody staring at? And then like the the director, the lady uh of our kids program, like off stage is like was yeah. trying to whisper and feed me the line and I'm just like smiling like a dork, you know, holding <laughs> this present, just like, I don't know, I don't know staring at me. What is she whispering about? Uh, and then and then this kid next to me stand, like stands up and says the line that I'm supposed to say. Oh, no. Uh, not, oh, no, she wasn't next to me. She was across from me. Yeah. And she says the line I'm supposed to say. And all of a sudden, like, it clicks. You know, the light bulb turns on. Right. And without and like, hesitation. I my shot. Without, no, no, no. See, without hesitation, what happened was I stood up, threw the present on the ground, pointed at her and said, hey. That's my line. <laughs> like, and I shouted it in the middle of the program. Wait, how old were you? I was like nine or ten. That's great. And of course, when I shouted it, what happened? Oh, you... The audience lost it. Yeah, they, they just laughed and laughed and laughed, and they thought it was hysterical. Right. And, and I suddenly it was you hysterical. were a performer. And I realized that, oh, if I can do things that make people laugh, yeah. that are funny, yeah. that's far better than being up here going... Just stare at me and it's serious or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. like, my mindset about it began to change because now all of a sudden, instead of walking up there and letting fear control their performance, mm-hmm. I just embrace the ridiculousness of the fact that why I have your attention for some reason. You've decided to pay attention to me. You, you may or may not like that by the end of this conversation, yeah. but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going I'm to enjoy it. Every last drop out of it. Yes, I'm going to enjoy every moment I have in front of you. Yeah. And 
then I began to do more plays and things like that, musicals mm. and, and mm-hmm. being up in front of people and then singing songs. And yeah. like it was around that time that all that stuff began to click from that side of it because for me it wasn't about creating my own things but using the things other people had made to just make people laugh and to, to yeah. forget their own worry and right, their own fear right. in those entertaining moments by embracing this other thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I would ham it up so much. Like, I, I enjoyed that. Like, yes, please laugh at me. <laughs> I I, I want to make you laugh. Oh, I will laugh at me. Man. We'll laugh at myself. Like, all that stuff. I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Like, that I became the performer in the, yeah. in the truest sense of the word then at that point. Mm-hmm. Whether it was with a, a guitar in my hand and singing or uh, through acting up on stage. Like, I enjoyed every minute of it. And now... Mm-hmm. I'm up in front of people every week, talking, speaking, right. telling stories, communicating, and I enjoy that. I enjoy doing that stuff. Yeah. Um, but to tell stories and create stories without fear creeping in still can be hard. Yeah. It can still be difficult to overcome all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no set guidelines. There is no set, like... Here's the magic pill. Here's the easy button for getting over this. Yeah. Uh, just like with everything in life, you got to do the hard work. Yeah, you got to practice. You got to practice. You got to take the time. If it's something like sketching or music or writing, whatever it is, you set the time. Yeah. And you you practice and you mm-hmm. you push yourself to be better. Yeah. And there's not a single person in this world who has made something that's been successful that didn't write, draw, create, make something that wasn't their best at one point in their life. Yeah. Um, recently, I was just, like, scrolling through my Instagram page, and I think it, I, I just, like, came across a random re- random meme or something, and it said um, that, like, something about failure being your starting point and how... It it shouldn't be the end. Like it's it's where you start. That of course you're gonna suck at it. That's part of getting better at it. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, uh, Jake from Adventure Time. Yeah. He's like, sucking at something is the first first step into but being like, sort of good being at something. Being sort of good at something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like I the mean, same it's true. idea. Like yeah. you're gonna suck at it. Yeah. It's, you're gonna be terrible. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you'll look back and go, oh yeah, here's you know, here's what I thought was good. Here's what I kept from this because it was pretty good. Yeah. And here's what I've had to change because it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, I've gotten better at it. One of the things that I like to do to help me with that, when it comes to at least my drawing, mm-hmm. um, is I try to uh, right around March, April, when I first went to that Comic Con in 2015, and I drew that terrible, terrible daredevil. Um, <laughs> because that was mm-hmm. the first thing that I drew to kind of reconnect like yeah i i try and draw another daredevil piece it might not be exactly the same like pose or look or whatever yeah. i think it was just a head at that time um but i try and just draw another daredevil and then i look back at hmm. the different pictures and compare them and you can see that progression like oh that was yeah. a little better than that one yeah oh that was a little better than that one and then, like, most recently, that's like oh that one's a lot better than that first one right but not so much better than Last, last year's one. or whatever, you know, yeah. if I do it every couple of months, you know, and just kind of looking at those changes and differences and you can begin to see like how you evolve then as an artist and how you adapt to the different things you're learning. Yeah. 
Well, and it's like when you're a kid and you're like, am I ever going to grow up? Am I ever going to get big? Or, you know, am I ever going to get taller or whatever? And everyone around you is like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It's going to fly by. And then you're like, are you sure? Because it feels like I'm just stuck here. Um, And it's the same way. Suddenly you look back and you're like, oh, wow. Oh, I was tiny then. I don't remember ever being this small. What was that like? That's weird. And I think it's the same same kind of thing. Yeah. All right, well, as we wrap this up for uh, this episode, um, let me just say this. I think that if you right now are struggling with fear, if you're struggling with creating something, putting yourself out there, um, you know, making that thing that you've been holding on to, or maybe you've got you know, six or seven, you know, irons in the fire and you don't know what to, what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say what I found helpful is you take one or two of those things and you begin to focus most of your efforts on that. Cause those other projects, they're not going to go anywhere. Right. And over time you might even find that, no, those aren't as good as I thought they'd be anyway. And they, they can sit and that's okay. Yeah. But you take one or two of those things and you really begin to focus on them. And then if it helps, create a schedule for your day or your days if you have several days that you're like yeah these are my days that I set aside to like work around stuff and some days you might write a hundred words you might draw one or two pictures you might you know write the verse to a song whatever it is Mm -hmm. and other days you might make a whole song in an hour you might paint a picture in a day you might write a chapter or two and either way any step that you make towards finishing the project is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's putting, you know, what what uh what our trainer at the gym, uh, Kenji, what he what he puts it as is putting pennies in the bank, you yeah. know, towards the work that you're doing. And you're putting pennies in the bank, all these little things to get you towards your goal. Mm-hmm. And every little bit helps. And for me it's creating that schedule on those days that I set aside to work on my creative stuff. Yeah. And if setting a schedule is not your thing and you work fine with a little bit of chaos and a little bit of disorder, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. But do what you need to do to kind of get in that mindset so that way fear doesn't creep in. Yeah. So that way fear doesn't control when and how you present your projects. And be okay with the bad. Mm-hmm. Allow your, your future self to be informed by the mistakes that you've made regarding your creative endeavors. Listen to a song you wrote a year ago. Be critical of it. What was good? What was bad? Listen to a poem or reread a poem that you wrote a month ago. What was good? What was bad? Look at those pictures you've made. If you're a builder, look at the projects you've built and put together. What was good? What was bad? What can you learn from your own mistakes? And one of the things that I love most, and this is the just a little preview of what I want to talk about for next week, but one mm-hmm. of the things that I love most is being inspired Mm-hmm. Uh, being inspired by other artists and other pictures and other yeah. works, books, movies, cinema. And next week, uh, we're going to be talking about inspiration. What are some of the things that inspire us to create? Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, stemming from fear, then what what sparks the joy back into what I'm doing? If I am afraid of something, what yeah, sparks yeah. that? And so finding those things that inspire you and allowing yourself to take the time um, to do the healthy thing for yourself and say, you know what? oh, I really wanted to see this movie because I connect with these characters and so I went and saw it and that inspired me then to keep working on my own project or I, right. went, I went to read this comic book or I went to you know, read 
you know, an art book or whatever else it is, or listen to this new album because I've been struggling with my own music stuff or whatever it is, using mm-hmm. those things to help push you and inspire you to get back into it. Yeah. And not feeling bad about that, using it as a form of, you know, taking the next steps. Mm-hmm. One last thing, uh, similar kind of to piggyback off of what Nick is saying about, you know, setting aside time every day or, or setting aside um, organized time. If you are like me and you're a little less type A, uh, a little less organized and you kind of thrive a little bit more in the chaotic moment, um, don't, don't set aside too much time in the beginning. Uh, for me, I have found it to be really helpful to say, I have 15 minutes. That is what I'm going to work with. I'm, I'm going to create something for 15 minutes. And often I find that I go over my 15. If you allow yourself a little time, but, but you only really categorize 15 minutes for yourself, a lot of times I'll find myself continuing to create after those 15 minutes are up. But if I give myself like an hour, I'm frozen and I I can't do it. Yeah. It's kind of like the, oh, I want to watch something. And then you spend 30 minutes like wasting time trying to pick what you want to watch on Netflix instead of just watching something. Exactly. And then like, oh, I've just wasted all the time I have to watch something choosing what I want to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I'll sit there and, you know, like, oh, I've got a whole hour. And if I've got an hour, I can finish a whole, like you said, like a whole chapter or something like that. And Oh, I better figure out what it's going to be about now. I got to write an outline, and and I get lost in the minutia of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening this week. We'll be back again next week with uh, ideas that inspire. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram, you can check us out at uh, Stoke the Wild. That's uh, at Stoke the Wild, uh, and then my personal page is at Nick Dertinger Art. Uh, my personal page is at J M Dertinger. Uh, it's mostly pictures of my kids. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, occasionally enjoy post poems and things there as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. I do um, that too. My page is dedicated to the art stuff that I'm doing. And then our Stoke the Wild page will be all about the podcast and maybe some things that we find and, uh, other people that we connect with that we want to be able to share stuff. And if you have any yeah. questions, uh, want to send in questions or comments about the podcast, we, uh, if we get enough of them each week, we'll, we'll share some of those on the show. Yeah. Um, you can email us at stokethewild at gmail.com, stokethewild at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Bye. See ya. Bye.